Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to the Tuesday playoff edition of the Stochastic NHL Strategy Show. I'm your host, Josh Harris, big Rangers fan. Uh, <laughs> well, luckily, I mean the first the first two games of this slate, I'm gonna be it's gonna be a mess. <laughs> we got the Rangers, we got the Leafs. It's gonna be a mess. But we are sponsored by Bet Three Sixty Five. Whole news, whole all four games are different from yesterday. New series starting. A couple surprises yesterday. Saw the Oilers. Here come the Oilers memes. Got riled up a little bit yesterday. Saw Pete DeBoer be an absolute idiot. Cost his team there. I don't know if it cost them, but it definitely didn't help. Um, Carolina Islanders were kind of what we expected. Did you watch all the games? Or at least a little bit of them? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I certainly watched the early games. I like the Dallas Minnesota just got caught in a weird spot because it was the end of the Boston Florida game. It started during the end of the Boston Florida game and then the Edmonton um Los Angeles game which is what I was really looking forward to started um you know after the first period of that game. So I was kind of caught not catching a lot of the Minnesota Dallas game but I, I watched you know the early ones. Don't I mean you can't really fault Florida. Like Florida lost a game and I don't think they necessarily deserve to win, but they didn't look like a wild card team playing the best team, you know, in regular season history. Now, obviously they didn't have Patrice Bergeron, but I didn't think Florida really looked that bad. And if Aaron Ekblad, you know, starts playing hockey and stops playing as if, you know, he just mainline 70 liters of Red Bull before he took the ice. Um, he, you know, kind of play, you know, in control a little bit. Uh, they could be just fine. Um, not much to say in the Islanders, Carolina. Like you said, I think that's about what people expected. Carolina to dominate the play, Sorokin to play extremely well, and the Islanders to kind of struggle against the stifling Carolina defense. It is what it is. And then Edmonton, Los Angeles, like you said, I, I, we, you told me, you thought we were done with the here comes the Oilers. And uh, for people that might not know what we're talking about, there's kind of like a meme on hockey Twitter going back to like the mid 2010s. Those real bad Edmonton teams that would just keep screwing up all the time. The joke was hashtag here come the Oilers. And then you'd post, you know, a gif or a picture of somebody royally screwing up really, really bad. Um, we got our first, here comes the Oilers of the playoffs last night. I went to bed after the second period. It was like one 30 in the morning here. 
Uh, I went to bed after the second period because I was like, oh, game over. Like, the Oilers were looking good through 40 minutes, and they probably deserved to win that game. Uh, just got a little bit undisciplined, uh, and Los Angeles was able to uh, take advantage of that. But what this, what that does more than anything is buy Los Angeles some time, right? Like, this might get Gabriel Velarde back for game three in a 1-1 series as opposed to game three in a 2-0 series where you're really fighting uphill. And it might get them, you know, Kevin Fiala back perhaps for game six and seven if they if they can get that long, as opposed to getting their brain speed in in four or five games if Fiala never plays. Um, so that was a really important win for Los Angeles. I mean, every win in the playoffs is important. But buying some in, their injured players some time to get back, I think, was really critical. And that win did that last night. And it was really just a, a, a good night of hockey. Like, I, I know the Islanders Carolina wasn't explicitly entertaining, but, you know, it got rough uh, at some points. And um, I'm not going to debate the refereeing and the cross checks and all that. That is not what I'm going to do here today. Uh, But an entertaining first night, and I'm really looking forward to night two here. Yeah, I honestly, like, we were both on the Oilers yesterday. And it was nice to see, like, because I bet the Kings at 30-1 to in – late February, something like that. I was like, oh, this ticket's dead without Fiala and Velarde. But if they can – like, they, they stole home ice away from Edmonton. They're in a really good spot. Pressure's off in game two. Even if they lose it, they go home tied 1-1. There's the travel day. Like you said, buy some time here. Get these – like, if Fiala can skate, he might play. He You know, he can get his whatever injury – like if the Kings got eliminated, it wouldn't shock me to be like, oh, Fiala has like three metatarsals broken in his toe or foot or something like that. It's always ridiculous, like the injuries that come out after. But they can get him on the ice, buy some time, make it a long series. Feel a little bit better about that bet. But you know, I watched the first pair of that game. Edmonton dominated. Yeah, like, I mean, let's get this clear. If Edmonton doesn't take a boatload of penalties yeah. in the second half of the game, they probably win that game like 4 nothing or 4-1 or something, yeah. right? Like, it was just the parade to the penalty box that killed them. Um, Los Angeles didn't play particularly well, but uh, they 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 won me some money in DFS, but I didn't even come close to breaking even out of pile of tickets for that $15 last night. I didn't get to a game stack, and I don't know why I didn't. It would have been the dry side of line with Kopitaris because it was the only one that would have fit price-wise. And I'm, I'm mad I didn't get there. But uh, say la vie, we got a four-game slate here tonight and four really interesting games uh, from top to bottom. So I'm pretty geared up. Yeah. It was also interesting that Jay Woodcroft was sending out McDavid against Deneau. Um Wasn't expecting that, but, you know, not a huge deal. Was more surprised that Pete DeBoer was like, I don't, I'm not going to play the line matching game. That gives the other team – that lets the other team dictate. Idiot, you're at home. You can dictate the matchups. Anyway, four-game slate with uh, our boy Rick Bounis on it. But, yeah, let, let's get into it before we do. Make sure to hit that like and subscribe. helps us out. You can also change your avatar by signing up for the Stochastic Hall of Fame. Do it by going to stochastic.com backslash avatar, placing the top three of a contest with over 5K contestants for NHL. That would be the $5 poke check on DraftKings. Uh, if you do, tweet the win to at stochastic HOF. 
on Twitter. If you don't have the tweet machine, you can email us, uh, email us with your screenshot and you'll win a free month of Stochastic Plus Platinum, which is a $120 value. Gives you access to all sports, all tools, all discords for a month. That's $120 value. We have a deal later in the show where you can get that for under $60 a month. So if you're into that now, you can click the link in the description and check it out. Let's get into these series here. <sighs> My New York Rangers. 2.6 total. The disrespect of a 2.6 total heading into New Jersey. The Devils have a 2.9 total. Igor Shesterk and Vitek Vanacek are confirmed here. I, I, I know I'm a Rangers fan. But I'm going to try to be as non-biased as possible. I did it yesterday with the Bruins. I gave them props, even though I can't stand them. Honestly, this is one of the hardest series to try to figure out, like try to pinpoint. Like there, there wouldn't be any outcome that really surprises me outside of like a, the Rangers or Devils winning in four. Yeah, basically a sweep would be yeah. the only real shock yeah. here, I think. I feel like this is going to be a longer-ish series. I just think at the end of the day, the Devils are a bit early, and the advantages the Rangers have are in net and on the power play. And I think over seven games, that's just going to bring the cream to the top there. Yeah, um, I agree with you. Like New Jersey is definitely one of the teams where you suspect they're going to have a lot of playoff success Mm -hmm. over the next 10 years. Um, They just have so much uh, good young talent. Uh, elite good young talent on top of that um in a yeah in a dm you and i were in earlier today uh, i made the comparison to the 2007 pittsburgh penguins um i know maybe people watching can't remember 2007 um it was 16 years ago now um but that was the year uh this the crosby penguins first made the playoffs and i think they got bounced in like five or six games or something like that but you know, the year before Crosby had a pretty good season and then he had an even better season and they got to the playoffs. And then it was the year after that where they started making deep playoff runs. And I don't wonder if this New Jersey team isn't kind of the same thing where, yeah, they have Hughes, they have um, his year, they have Brad, um, you know, out, like, you know, Alex Holtz is still in the AHL working his way up. Dawson Mercer's there. Like they have lots of good young players. And I don't wonder if this isn't the series where, you know, maybe the Devils lose in six games and then starting next year is when they're really perennial Stanley Cup contenders. That's just kind of the way I'm looking at it, whether that's actually what it is or not. I mean, I guess we'll find out. Um, Looking at different available sources for series projections, I'm looking outside of the Vegas series odds. So we're not looking at, you know, bet three, six, five or anything like that. I'm just looking at, what the hockey and Twitter, you know, hockey Twitter analysts are doing. Um, the athletic have the Rangers basically a coin flip 49 51 in favor of the devils. Um, hockey viz has the Rangers as a 56% favorite. And then money puck has the Rangers as a 42% underdog. So there's a pretty big gap in what people think of these two teams I know a lot of the punditry or whatever think it's going to be the Rangers for basically the reasons I just outlined. It's like the Rangers have a lot of players, particularly in the top six for their forwards that have a lot of playoff experience. Um, The devils don't. That's just basically what it is outside of like Andre Palat. Um, So I, I do think there's something to the playoff experience. I wonder if we're not pigeonholing 
uh, New Jersey too finely and saying that they're just too inexperienced to win or whatever. But I think you and I kind of both agree this should be like a six or seven game series, you know, regardless of which side it goes to. Um, a couple things about the series in general. Um, it's it's kind of a clash of styles because the Devils are, you know, your prototypical analytics darlings. They uh, carry the puck a lot in transition. They create a lot of scoring chances. They create a lot of dangerous passes in the offensive zone. Um, they create, uh, they shoot a lot just in general. Um, it gives them pretty good analytics. And the Rangers are almost the antithesis of that. Like they have a, the Rangers, have, it's funny. Like the Rangers, it's like they went out and said, and like went and collected every single player that could possibly break expected goals models like their Pokemon, right? Like, like Mika Zibanejad is, is the guy that typically breaks goals models because of how good a shot is. And he's a pretty good playmaker. Artemi Panarin is a guy that typically breaks expected goals models um, because he's, a top five passer in the world. Um, Patrick Kane historically has been a guy that breaks expected goals. Models. Like these guys all do it. It's crazy that they're all in the same top six together. So it's a nice clash of styles uh, in that sense. Um, I would also say that the, both these teams are three lines deep. Now, how good that Bockvist Meyer line actually is kind of remains to be seen because they're only up at about a hundred minutes together 3.1 expected goals four per 62.8 against so a little bit above water but not a massive sample i guess we're going to find out um on the rangers side that kids line we mentioned this in one of the shows coming down the stretch of the regular season the kids line was playing extremely well after the trade deadline um I looked at their most recent 200 minutes together. Three expected goals, four per 60, 2.2 against. Three actual goals scored per 62 against. So both third lines were playing pretty well down the stretch. So these teams have three lines on each side that can score. Um, the Devils' top line, looking through our top stacks tool, I'll bring up uh, our top stacks tool here real quick. Uh, the Devils top line looks like it's going to be one of the most, more popular lines on the slate, at least compared to its top two stack percentage. Um, there's negative leverage on it, the fourth most negative leveraged uh, line on the slate. I don't think it's really that bad, though. Um, 6% top two ownership against 10% ownership, 10 to 11% on DraftKings. I don't think that's really that bad. Um, you only get one guy on the top PP unit, which is a problem, but... Until like the last couple weeks of the regular season, the New Jersey power play really wasn't, you know, elite or anything like that. and was struggling, especially after Timo Meyer got there. Now, again, like basically in the month of April, they turned things around, but it's not a huge sample to work with. Um, so I'm not sure that stacking the Devils according to how many guys are on the power play on a line really matters here. Because like, like I said, I'm not sure about the Devils power play just how good it actually is. The Rangers penalty kill legitimately elite over the last six weeks, six weeks of the season, especially, but pretty good over the entire course of the season. Um, and they don't take a ton of penalties either. So I would really be focusing on the five on five lines for stacking. You know, if you want to just use two out of the three and do a two man stack, I think that's just fine. You know, that devil's top line, was really, really good this season. 4.1 expected goals per 60 minutes, four actual goals uh, per 60 minutes um, in calendar 2023. Uh, 
you know, Hisher and Tatar, I think one reason they, they do so well offensively is like neither is super elite at any one particular skill, but both are very well-rounded at both ends. And it makes them both dangerous, whether as a passer or as a shooter or basically as a dummy player or as a defend defender in the in the defensive zone. Um, I think that's one reason why they play so well together. And they're going to be going into that Zibanejad line. Maybe you have a different take here. Like Zibanejad, um, Kreider, and Kane, not a small sample. Outplaying the opposition in their small sample. Kreider and Kane have been pretty good otherwise. Like what do, what do you see? when you watch the Rangers where like Kane and like Kane and Kreider legitimately have really, really good expected goals for numbers. And that's something that usually doesn't happen with Patrick Kane lines, even, you know, three or four years ago when he was still like, you know, that Patrick Kane would remember. So why do you think they're working so well? Well, one, they're all different types of players. I think they mesh yeah. well, right? Mika's yeah. a shooter. Kane's a disher. Kreider gets into those greasy areas net front. I think they just mesh really well together. Another reason that I worry about that Devils top line, not so much that I worry about it, but like one, that one, that Rangers line has been good. Two, they're going to see a whole gaggle of that Fox pairing, which is another issue. Now, the Jack Hughes line is going to see Callender Miller, who was the Rangers' best defensive defenseman in the playoffs last year, and it wasn't very close. But they also are seeing Truba, and yeah, he has those flashy big hits, but he's terrible. He's got no hips. He can't transition. So, like, I don't know. I, I like the Rangers' top line here. Uh, like, to kind of slow down the Devils' top line, I don't know if I play the, the Rangers' top line because going into the Nieker Heischer matchup, also not great. So, I don't know. Like, Gerard Gallant was kind of flip-flopping his – these top six guys, and they, I think he finally found a combo that he likes. They work well together. Hopefully he sticks with it. It's just, you know, Mika's going to go into his office. Kane will dance around the zone. Kreider will be in those greasy areas. I just think it works. Yeah, I think I, the Kreider, I think, is a big part of that, right? Like, it seems like he really creates space for the passing lanes to open up and for just Patrick Kane to operate, so... Um, yeah, I agree with you. Maybe they can slow down that New Jersey top line and, and where New Jersey one is coming in over owned anyway. I think it's, it might be a reason to kind of avoid them. Um, down on the second lines, not as great for Hughes, Brad and Platt, three and a half expected goals for 4.4 actual goals. Obviously the goal scoring is really, really good. Um, you worry about a high shooting percentage. It was fine, a little high, but it was fine, but you would worry about some pullback there. You do get two out of the three guys on the top power play unit. But again, like I said, I don't know if power play stacking is necessarily that huge for this particular series. Not to say there won't be games where the power play won't come through for either team. It's just, uh, you know, if you're playing a single lineup saying, you know, tonight's going to be the night where, you know, the Rangers power play goes off or something. Like it just feels uh, like almost guessing pretty much. Yeah. Um, I do like that Devils second line. They are coming in with a fair bit of ownership as well, like just a little bit over-owned. For me, it's that Rangers second line. Now, one concern I have with the Rangers, just generally speaking, is ice time, right? Um, we saw the ice time really get flattened um, after they got Tarasenko and Kane at the trade deadline. 
one what one way to read that is spreading out ice time down the stretch to kind of save guys for the playoffs. Like there's no need to play Mika's advantage at 21 minutes at the end of March. Um, the other way to read that is that they see the top two lines as pretty even, want to give them fairly equal ice time. And the third line is playing extremely well. So you want to give them ice time as well. Like I worry, you know, Panarin's probably going to play close to 20 minutes. Zibanejad's probably going to play close to 20 minutes. But is Tarasenko going to play 15 or is he going to play 18? You know what I mean? Um, our end. But the Rangers' second line isn't coming in with much ownership. Our top two stacks has him 3 to 4% owned. The Rangers' second line, 2.9, expected goals 4 per 60. Um, uh, when they were put together this season, not elite, but again, Panarin is one of those guys that can help break expected goals. So if they're generating even like, like that's well above, like 2.9 is well above the league average. If they're generating like that with a guy that usually underperforms in that regard, it, it, it speaks to the upside that I think that Rangers second line really does have. So I do like Rangers two here. I think Rangers three is fine. If you want to use them as like one of those filler types for, uh, a Colorado stack or a Tampa Bay stack or, or, or whatever. Um, I think Rangers three is per, is perfectly fine to use like a Hedo Caco two man or something like that. Like Philip Hedo was really good in the regular season. I honestly think it's the Rangers second line. I like best in this game. Yeah. I like both second lines in this game, the best. And I, I was just looking before the show at um, the leading score odds for this series. Philip Hedl is 16 to 1, Patty Kane 18 to 1, Tarasenko 25 to 1. That speaks to how good Philip Hedl has played this season. I wouldn't sleep on that third line. Um, they're very, very good now. I don't, uh, I don't know how many people realize this, but just straight up, not on a per minute basis, straight up, Hedl had more five on five goals than Zabanejad did this season. Yeah. <laughs> like, you see, and he was playing large, like, most of the season on the third line. Like, come on. Yeah. That's why, you know, get got some uh, Habs fans pissed off when I said he's better than Nick Suzuki. <laughs> why would you do that? Why? <laughs> the season's over. What did I do to deserve that? No, no, no. You didn't get pissed. I'm just getting ready for the Leafs game. I needed to channel my inner. Oh. Anyway. Yeah. Well, let's get to it then. Yeah, before we do, we have a 999 super chat from KJ. Says thanks for extended content this year, fellas. Great work as always. Don't thank us. That soaker Jake Hari really went to bat for us and got us on the air uh, yesterday and today. Maybe later on in the season. I don't know. We have to see what the contest looks like. Thank you for tuning in. Yeah, thanks, KJ. Um, appreciate the super chat. Um, it does help us. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in, you know, um, showing interest in the show, um, interacting with us on Twitter or, or on Discord or, or wherever. Um, you know, we certainly appreciate you. Um, thanks for the super chat. Uh, let's get some work done here in the playoffs, bud. Yeah. And uh, Jake likes us a lot better than he likes Bo and Byron. So, yeah. We'll get to that. Let's get into this. Uh, let me just take a deep, deep breath. Okay. Tampa Bay Lightning with a 2.7 total heading into Toronto. The Maple Leafs have a 3.2 total. Andre Vasilevsky, Ilya Samsonov are probable. Man, this series is tough to – like this is another one that's really tough to pinpoint. 
Because the Leafs have been favored in the first round for like five years straight, and they haven't got out of the first round. <laughs> uh, two, since the trade deadline, Tampa has looked absolutely terrible. Like, absolutely awful. Three, here's here's what I worry about on both sides. One is, and I think is the key to this series, is the Tampa Bay penalty kill. They were just straight up bad all season. Now, Will the Leafs take advantage of that? Well, that remains to be seen. They have a very good power play. Vasilevsky, one of the best goalies in the league. Where I worry about Toronto here is their bottom six is just gutted to where it was at the beginning of the season. Now, they have the star power, but so does Tampa Bay. And Tampa's bottom six, while it's not as good as it was in their cup runs, of like even just last year, I still think it's better than the Leafs. So, like, this is one of those series where, like, if it doesn't go six or seven, I think I would be shocked. Hey, honestly, I've been going back and forth in this for, like, three days now. I honestly think this is the year the Leafs do it. I mean, I bet on the Leafs to do it. So, I mean, let's hope so. Uh, Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Um, this is another one of those series where there's some splits between um, people that do public models. Uh, the athletic is at 39%, money pucks at 40%. Again, hockey biz, though, um, going bucking the trend a little bit, has Tampa Bay favored at 54%. Um, Vasilevsky, I think Vasilevsky's part of it. He has a really long track record of elite success. And, like, I know it doesn't seem like he had a really good season, but. <laughs> He actually did like his save percentage was basically um, identical uh, to what it was a season ago. And, you know, you don't want to just base off uh, save percentage, but the league average save percentage declined a fair bit. And he was basically the same. And if you look at his goal saved above expected, um, he was like sixth or seventh in the league behind, you know, the Sorokin, Saros, Hellebuck guys. And then I, I think like Jake Ottinger was ahead of him. And then um, it's Vasilevsky. So like he still had a pretty good season. Like he had like, you know, a handful of bad games down the stretch. Like you said, <laughs> Tampa Tampa themselves had more than a handful of bad games uh, down the stretch. And that is what makes the series tough is if Tampa Bay – is going into the series playing the way that they did from October through December, they might be favored out right here. Uh, but they haven't been like, they've been, they've looked pretty bad for about 30 games now. And that's the problem. And I wonder, and some of it is Victor Hedman straight up. Like he, his defensive numbers have just fallen off a cliff this season. And that can happen with defensemen once they get up to his age. I wonder maybe it's not like getting used to new defense partners or whatever, but there are legitimate defensive issues on the Tampa Bay side. And they start with Victor Hedman, which is not a good thing. If you want to go to a cup final for the fourth straight year Um, on the Toronto side, like you mentioned, the bottom six took is taking a beating Um, since the trade deadline. I wrote about this um, when I was writing about season long fantasy hockey the Toronto bottom six with their big four off the ice since the trade deadline um, is like 42% expected goal share. <laughs> they're like, they're getting crushed. Now 
I, I think they outscored the opposition slightly in, the, in that stretch, but it was because, thanks to 950 goaltending from Ilya Samsonov. They don't get 950 goaltending. If they get even 925 goaltending, they get crushed in goals as well. Um, that was the difference. So, you know, if Samsonov doesn't stand on his head when that bottom six is on the ice, Toronto could find themselves in real trouble. Um, so let's talk about those lines a bit. And let's talk about uh, the Toronto top line because they have Marner with Bontink. And Mar- That's a mistake. <laughs> it's just Max Payne. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Marner and Bunting were broken up earlier in the season. Marner, Bunting, and Matthews because they were playing so poorly. Not that they were playing horrifically or anything, but certainly not up to their standards and not up to the standards of what you want from a cup contender. And that's when William Nailander was moved there. And then they eventually went back to Marner and Bunting on the top line with Matthews towards the end of the season. They were better towards the end of the season, but it was because they were shooting 15% as a line. Like, you know, if you shoot 15% as a line, you're going to look great all the time, no matter what. You know what I mean? Like the Arizona Coyotes last year. They went on that torrid stretch where they shot like 20%. Right. Unstoppable. Exactly. And, and this line can do that for a month. Like, they absolutely can. But, you know, three and a half expected goals for 3.4 actual goals. That's pretty good for like 98% of the league. It's not good for that line. They were a lot better last year. Um, again, they're good down the stretch. A lot of it was just shooting percentage though. Now Matthews was shooting a lot down the stretch too. He had 57 shots in his last 10 games, which like that is the Austin Matthews that we do want to see, but it kind of speaks to, you know, the problems that Toronto, uh, did have, uh, uh, with that particular line combination. And it's important to bring that up. Because that looks to be the highest owned line uh, on the slate here tonight. I'm going to bring up our top stacks tool again here real quick. There's Toronto 1 right at the top of ownership on DraftKings. 26.3%, nearly nearly 10% higher than the next closest line. So there's going to be a boatload of ownership on Toronto 1 here tonight. Uh, So you're going to have to put some faith into the fact that this line we're talking nearly 300 minutes together this season. Like we're not talking fits and spurts here. We're talking, you know, a a third of the season together just wasn't that great. Certainly not for near, you know, 25 to 30% ownership. Um, The Toronto second line is a bit of a different story because they don't have a big sample together. Uh, John Tavares and Ryan O'Reilly did play a fair bit together though. And they were great. 3.7 expected goals for 4.5 actual goals for only shooting about 11%. Like they were generating a ton when they were on the ice. Now, William Nylander's moved to the second power play unit. So they're not a perfectly correlated power play. But like I could see a line like Tavares and Ryan O'Reilly being really good, even though they're not that fast. Because Ryan O'Reilly, his ability to process hockey at the NHL level is almost unrivaled from anybody else in the league. And it's why he is so good. It's because he can recognize the play he has to make and the play that has to be made after that. And he's very good at setting up his teammates in advantageous shooting positions. So it doesn't surprise me that they're generating uh, a lot of offense. They're going to be going into that Tampa Bay second line and they were good defensively, but around league average, it's really nothing uh, to write home about 
Anthony Sorelli was really good offensively this season by some metrics, wasn't his best defensive season. And plus you got Alex Gloran there. I think it's a matchup that could favor Toronto too. You know, the problem, they are coming in with a ton of ownership as well, right? Um, you know, that Toronto top line I said was coming in at about 26%. The Toronto second line is lowered about 13%. Uh, and then you're stacking the Toronto Maple Leafs without Austin Matthews, which is always precarious. But I do like the way Toronto 2 looks and has been playing, so I don't mind them. Uh, Tampa 1 is certainly in play here. Um, not in great matchup, assuming they see a fair bit of Matthews here. Um, but they're not getting much ownership, which is why you would, might want to play them here. 6% ownership against 22% top 2 stack. Second best leverage line on this on the entire slate. Um, they were generating a lot of offense down the stretch. They're just generating a lot of offense this season. 3.8 actual goals, um, shooting just 11%. So you know they were they were scoring a lot, but they were also and they were also uh, generating a lot. Um, the problem is I'm not sure about Stamkos, man. Like he had. 45 shots on goal in his last 24 games heading into the playoffs. Now, there's one thing to, you know, kind of just not really care about the stretch run. Under two shots per game for a third of the season is a concern for me for a guy that's an elite goal scorer. So I, I think Tam I would definitely have Tampa 1 if I was playing like 15, 20 lineups here tonight. I don't know if I'm going to get there in single entry. I think Toronto 2 is my favorite line in this game. I want to mention Tampa Bay 3. And give me 60 seconds to talk about Tampa Bay 3 here because I think they're the most important line in this series. Michael Estemont is on the third line for Tampa Bay playing with Nicholas Paul. Michael Estemont had one of the most fascinating regular seasons I've ever seen from a hockey player, honestly. His shot rate was like David Pasternak and Alex Ovechkin levels on a per-minute basis but he got waived and traded in the same season. Um, and if you look at it, all his line, like most of his line combinations generated a lot of offense when he was on the ice, like a lot of offense. The problem is, is he's a bad shooter. <laughs> he's like, he's a legit, he might be a legitimate, like six or 7% shooter. And you know, the guys on the third line with him, Nick Paul, Ross Colton, I like Colton. I don't know if Nick Paul's a great shooter either. Like, Essamont has really high shot rates going back years in the AHL. Just not high goal rates because he has trouble finishing, and his lines have trouble finishing when he's on the ice, but they dominate the play. And I mean dominate the play. So I think Tampa 3 can really dominate Toronto basically every game until Toronto changes its lineup. I just have questions as to whether they're going to be able to score or not. Because I do think Esamont is a pretty bad shooter. He just shoots a lot. I just want to mention them because they're super cheap. I think they can get the run of play. And they fit with like your super expensive Colorado stacks or whatever. Yeah. And this might be hyperbole coming out of my mouth. But I don't think there are many very good head coaches in the NHL. Tampa has one. And he'll take advantage of that. Like Tampa knows, like Michael Essamont stepped into the onto the third line from the press box. They know what they have in him and the advantage that he could bring against the bottom six. I I feel confident in that. Yeah. Also, Keith needs to flip flop Bunting and Nylander. 
I feel like Bunting would fit in well with O'Reilly and Tavares because he's a shooter. O'Reilly's a playmaker. Tavares just plays well with O'Reilly. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But, you know, I'm not Sheldon Keith, so. I, I, yeah. I think they'll be just fine. I'm, I'm more worried about the top line. But, yeah. I do, I do like that third line call though. I do also really like Toronto too. I just, it just like you said, it's it feels awful stacking Toronto without Matthews. So maybe you can get a little bit weird. As we mentioned off the top of the show, we are sponsored by Bet Three Sixty Five, and the best way to make money from the books is to take advantage of great promo offers when they become available. And we have a new one from Bet Three Sixty Five. You have to click the link in the below, in the description to take advantage. You have to sign up and make a deposit. The minimum deposit is $10, but you can bet as low as $1 and you get $200 in bonus bets. Bonus bets winnings are added to the bonus bets balance, so you just can't withdraw the bonus bets. You have to use them. The bonus bet wager excluded from returns, terms, and conditions apply. It's only available in New Jersey, Colorado, Ohio, and Virginia, but if you are in those states and haven't signed up, you can get $200 in free bonus bets by betting $1 on literally anything you can bet $1 on the Avalanche to win tonight, and you'll get like $1.78 back, but you'll get $200 in free bonus bets with it. So might as well take advantage. And if you or anyone you know has a gambling problem, please call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's move on to the next series here, the Winnipeg Jets with a 2.5 total heading into Vegas. The Golden Knights have a three total. Connor Hellbuck, Laurent Brossois are confirmed. Michael Stone back in the lineup for Vegas. There's a shocker. Uh no one knows how to use long-term IR better than the Golden Knights, maybe the Leafs, maybe Tampa, but Vegas is certainly up there. He had back surgery. Um, I've had that back surgery. I know how long it takes to come back, not to a professional level, but there was plenty of extra time in there for Mark Stone to get there. Um, he is going to be on the third line, the quote-unquote third line with Stevenson and Amadio. I'm interested to see if they actually go out against top comp which would be Dubois, Shifley, and Connor. Um, Mark Stone's their best two-way player. He hasn't played in a long time. But if he is anywhere near 
as good as he was earlier in the season, that would be their best defensive line. Now, on the Jets side, Nikolai Ehlers is a game-time decision. I'm also surprised that they're going to go with Shifley, Dubois, Connor, and let Vladislav Nemestikov be a top-six center in the playoffs. I don't know, man. Like, the Jets have an advantage in net. Like, Hellbuck's one of the best in the NHL. They have a high-power top line. But everything else really is on the Vegas side. They have a coaching advantage. I, I just feel like if this series gets extended, Vegas has the home ice advantage. I think they can get it done late. Yeah, I I was looking at some games before Mark Stone got hurt, and it's important to look at those games because um, right before Stone got hurt, Stone and Eichel were playing on different lines, which they are going into the playoffs now. It was weird. They were using Eichel in the shutdown role and not Mark Stone. Um so I'm wondering if we don't see Eichel, Barbashev, and Marcheseau tonight going out against the Shifley, Dubois, Connor line, which, I mean, I, I think it might make sense in this in, in this sense in that they want to kind of ease Stone into the lineup a little bit. Like, he ha- maybe they jigged around with the LTIR a little bit, but he still hasn't played in over three months, and he's had two back surgeries in the last eight months or whatever it is. So, I, I mean, maybe they don't want to put him out against Shifley right away. So, but, you know, if Eichel does go out against that Connor and Dubois line, um, you know, they're not that great defensively. Connor, Dubois, and Shifley, 2.8 expected goals against. They're not allowing a lot of goals, but it's because Connor Hellebuck's in net, right? Um, if you're ever playing a Vegas player, they're going to shoot on Connor Hellebuck. So, you know, they're not going to, a lot of those players aren't going to have a lot of high goals against rates. Um, as opposed to, like, I, I I'm not high on Vladislav Domestikov either, but that line was pretty good down the stretch. The Wheeler Ehlers Domestikov line, which is what? Um, 2.9 expected goals for, 1.9 against. I should mention this is one of those series where a lot of the public uh, models or whatever mostly agree where it's basically a coin flip, which I think makes sense uh, uh, if you don't factor in Mark Stone. If you do factor in Mark Stone, I think, you know, you probably tip the scales in Vegas's favor, but the big problem for Winnipeg, um, I talked about this on Twitter a little bit this morning, I think it was shooting percentage. That's it. It was just shooting percentage. And a lot of it came down to uh, not having Nikolai Ehlers on the top power play unit, even though he was healthy. Um, what I mentioned was Kyle Connor only shot like 6.7% on the power play this season, which is crazy considering he shot almost 15 percent over the prior three years but it, a lot of it was Ehlers based I think without or with Ehlers on the ice he shot 12 percent on the power play or something like that like a little below average but you know in the realm uh and like five percent without him uh so it's nice to see Nikolai Ehlers back on the top power play unit like Winnipeg wasn't necessarily playing poorly they just couldn't finish like the final two months of the season, they were literally 29th in goals at five on five. Like the only teams behind them were teams like Chicago and Columbus. Um, it was just shooting percentage. So, you know, if they can figure out their shooting percentage, maybe Ehlers on the power play will help in that regard. Uh, Winnipeg does stand a decent chance here. Uh, I think people are kind of underrating Vegas a little bit. Like at the end of the day, Vegas won the Western Conference, right? <laughs> like Jack Eichel is going to be the best player on the ice. Thank you. Like, 
And people are still slagging Jack Eichel. I, I know he missed some games. He still led the team in points, and his team won the Western Conference. It's like, what else do you want from the guy? Um, his line down the stretch, three and a half with Barbashev and Marshall, so three and a half goals per 60 minutes. They were shooting 12%, and that's a little bit high. But Barbashev typically a pretty good playmaker. Like, that's a skill that he picked up in St. Louis back in the Ryan when Ron O'Reilly and David Perron were around. Um, so it makes sense that he helped juice up their goals a little bit. Like, Marsh, uh, so uh, 30 shots in his final 10 games of the regular season. So he was shooting quite a bit. Barbashev and Eichel are on the top power play unit with Stevenson and Stone. And Stone does help on the power play. So... I don't really mind Vegas one here, but all the Vegas lines are coming in with a lot of ownership, right? Um, <laughs> I'll bring up the top stacks again real quick. Here's Vegas. Every single one of their lines has negative leverage, even the fourth line. <laughs> People are really playing a lot of Vegas tonight. I think it's because of the prices. Um, that's basically one of the things that's keeping me away from Vegas. If you do want to play them, that Mark Stone line, I know they're coming in with unreasonable ownership stone amadio uh and stevenson have played together this season earlier this season 3.2 expected goals for 3.6 actual goals for steven and stone stevenson and stone have played real well together over the last how long it's been since chandler stevenson's got there three years two and a half years um they played really 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 well together um I kind of like that stone line. I just I, I worry about ownership, but like if you're if you're playing Vegas with Colorado or Vegas with Tampa Bay or something like that, like you're gonna have to play them at high ownership. Like that's you, that's just what it is. There are only so many teams on this slate. Uh, there are only so many punt options or decent punt options as well. So I think of all the Vegas lines, it is the stone line I like the best. I understand that people don't want to play him coming immediately off back surgery and have not having a game in, but. Um, he is a difference maker on the power play uh, for Vegas. Goals over the last two years for Vegas go up 58% when Stone is on the ice on the power play. He is a big difference maker for them. So uh, Stone, Stevenson, and Amadio is what I like best. Um, but just be aware that if you're playing Vegas tonight, there's going to be ownership all over the place. On the Winnipeg side, um, it is Connor Dubon Shifley I like best. It's not even close. Like... Ehlers, Wheeler, and Nemesnikov, I think they're playable, but they might see the Vegas second and third lines. And I honestly think the Vegas second and third lines are going to be better defensively than, than the Eichel, Barbashev, Marshall line. So I don't think it's necessarily like a tremendous matchup for the Winnipeg depth. Um, it is Shifley, Dubois, and Connor that I like best. And I, I get, like, if this is November, uh, a, a Connor Dubois Shifley line might be twenty two thousand dollars on DraftKings, like twenty one thousand or something like that. Like honestly, um, that there's seventeen thousand. All that represents is that they had a bad shooting percentage over the last two months. Look, it's Brossois in net. I think he's good, but I, you know, he's not super elite or anything. I don't mind Winnipeg one here. They are coming in with a lot of ownership, but it is what it is. Um, I think the stone line is my favorite line in this game, factoring in price. Yeah, I'm not a doctor, but I had that back surgery, and if if you're not healthy, you're gonna like if your lower back is messed up, you won't be able to skate. Like he's healthy. 
Can he re-aggravate it and have to get another back surgery? Sure. But him going onto the ice, he's healthy, right? Like, he's not going to go onto the ice with a bad back right now. Like, you just can't do it. Like, if you've never had back problems, you don't understand. Like, I know you've had back problems, and it can be debilitating to the point where Mark Stone had to get surgery. And if he was not healthy enough to be on the ice with a lower back injury, he wouldn't be. Yeah. That I'm pretty much certain of. Yeah. It's just worry about re-injuring, right? Like he did after 40 games. You just need him to hold up for 25 games. That's all they need. He could get checked into the boards on his first shift and like herniate 14 discs. Like it's possible. But he's healthy enough to play right now. So Yeah. But I, I agree with you with Winnipeg 1 here. They're my favorite line in this game. They're actually coming in with lower ownership than Vegas 1. Um, I think like I know Vegas is home, but I have – I can argue – pretty much without a doubt that Hellebuck's a better goalie than Grossois. Yeah. <laughs> and at the end of the day in the playoffs, I'm going to attack the, the lesser of the goalies, and that's Grossois. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm going to get flamed on Twitter for trying to be a doctor, let's get on to the next one. But before we do, if you click the link in the description below, you can get 50% off any Platinum membership weekly or monthly. This is for all you guys tuning in. It's special for you. You click the link in the description. You get 50% off a weekly Platinum Plus membership, which would be under $20 now, 50% off. Monthly, under uh, $60 a month. It's $120 value. You get access to all the sports. I know it's not NFL season, but we have MLB in full swing, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. We have golf. NASCAR, F1, UFC, esports. I'm sure I'm missing a couple others too. Um, and you get everything included ownership, lineup generator, lineup builders, the boom bust tools, leverage scores, and our industry leading projections. So make sure to click that link in the description below. You can get 50% off any weekly or monthly platinum membership. So make sure to check that out. It's a great deal. Let's get on to this last own, uh, last series of the night, and then after that, we'll touch on the Ironman contest, the season-long uh, Devils and Rangers contest. We should touch on that for a couple minutes. Um, Seattle with a 2.6 total heading into Colorado. The Avalanche have a 3.4 total. Philip Grubauer and Alexander Yorgiev are confirmed. Okay, the Avs, obviously the rightful favorites here. The biggest issue with Seattle is goaltending. Now, we've talked about the Avalanche a bunch. They're literally one top six injury away from being a one-line team. Is Yorgiev a better goalie than Grubauer? Yeah. But, like, Yorgiev is kind of untested in the playoffs, not that Seattle is tested. I think Colorado is obviously the rightful favorite, and I think they win this series, but, like, People are just like, oh, yeah, Colorado's going to come back and just win the West just like that. Like, like I, I wouldn't go that far. Like, if they have an injury, they can be in a lot of trouble. Do I think they win the series? Yes. Do I think Seattle remains competitive? That's on Grubauer. So I like this series, but Seattle net minding is a big question mark. Yeah, I – uh, I'll I'll just reference the models again because it is one of, another one of the series where there's a pretty big gap. Um, the Athletic has uh, Seattle only at 23%, um, Money Puck at 33%, and Hockey Biz at 40%. So basically all the way 
from 23% to 40%, which is a pretty big gap, considering most people are using roughly the same data. Um, the first thing I want to mention is the Seattle defense. I don't think that's something that gets enough credit. I'm not speaking specifically about their defensemen, but just the defensive play on the team. Um, this season, the fourth lowest expected goals against per 60 minutes of five on five in the league. The only teams better were Carolina, Los Angeles, and Boston. That is really, really good. Now, you know, the goaltending let them down a little bit. So the goals against wasn't fourth in the league. It was 13th in the league. But, you know, 13th isn't terrible. It's certainly not where they were last year. Um, so Seattle's a really, really, really good defensive team. And they also don't take a lot of penalties, right? Um, they had, no, you know, they're well below league average. They're at 2.9 times shorthanded per game this season. League average um, is right around 3.1. Not only that, but they had a really, really good penalty kill down the stretch run. Um, I think they were top 10 by um, shots against and goals against over the final six weeks of the season while on the penalty kill, like on a permitted basis. So if they can be a top five defensive team, if they can stay out of the penalty box, and if they can keep up a pretty good penalty kill when they do take penalties, that's a pretty bad recipe for this Colorado team. Now, I would you know, kind of remind everybody that, you know, we saw Colorado run through the playoffs last year, but, you know, Andre Burakovsky, who's in Seattle now, um, was on that Colorado team. He's gone. He had a, like 25 goals and 65 points last year or something. Uh, Nazem Kadri obviously is in Colorado or in Calgary and Gabriel Landeskog uh, is still injured. It's basically their entire second line was gone. Uh, you know, Lekkanen brought in at the end of last season to help. Um, that should help Evan Rodriguez sign in the offseason. But like you said, uh, you know, Michushkin gets hurt in the middle of the second period. All of a sudden, it's, you know, second line Dennis Mulligan, and there's no one left in the bottom six except for a bunch of checkers. So, you know, you're right about that, about the problem, um, about Colorado being one injury away. I still, I, I agree with you. I still think Colorado does win this series. But if something happens where Grubauer is pretty good, like he doesn't have to be Jake Ottinger last year and, and save, you know, 98 out of every hundred shots. He just has to not be awful. If he can not be awful, this could be a pretty tough series for Colorado. Um, speaking about tonight specifically, uh, you know, there's a lot of leverage on the top line, obviously, because they are very expensive. They're almost 23,000 uh, on DraftKings here tonight. Um funny enough they're only like $200 more expensive on FanDuel but you know it is what it is uh, so they are super expensive they are probably going to come in in the teens somewhere because there are only you know eight teams on the slate here tonight but uh, we have them at 36% top two stack only 15% ownership so with the Lucky Land Slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. 
sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, good leverage. And they also played really, really well down the stretch. That's the most important part here is, you know, you'd expect a McKinnon ranting in line to play well, but you never really know until you add that third person to the line. And Evan Rodriguez fit in well. Uh, four ex- four expected goals per 60 minutes of 505, 5.4 actual goals. And they kept those numbers up, whether earlier in the season or whether down the stretch. So uh, I really, really do like that Colorado top line. I don't think matchups matter a whole lot in this series. Like, I think all of Seattle's lines are anywhere from fine to good defensively and I'm not going to stress myself out too much about the line matching um, whether they go up against the McCann line or whether they go up against the Gord line I, like I view them mostly the same defensively um, I just think it's a uh, I just think Colorado's top line has been really really good I don't think you have to play Rodriguez though there are only so many shots to go around when Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen are on the ice. And especially if you're on the ice with like Kale McCarr, right? Like those three guys might all shoot more than Rodriguez. And it shows down the stretch. Rodriguez is a guy that typically shoots a lot. And he only had 14 shots over his final 10 games. Playing on that top line is because everybody else is taking the shots. He's more or less a facilitator at this point. I don't think you have to play them, play him. Uh, but that top line is really, really good, and I do. I don't mind. Like, I don't mind the matchup because I don't think there are great matchups you can pick apart on the Seattle side here. Uh, Colorado's second line is a bit more uh, of a question mark for me. There isn't a huge sample of the three of them playing together. Uh, Nichushkin and Lekkinen had trouble finishing the season, whether it was injury or otherwise. Um, they aren't like great finishers anyway. They're coming in with almost 10% ownership, and you get two out of the three guys on the top power play unit with Confer and Nachushkin, but I don't know if I really want to like pay 16500 for that line without them being you know, proven. Rather you get, like Winnipeg 1. <laughs> you, exactly. Winnipeg 1 is only a few hundred dollars more expensive. Uh, the Jack Hughes line in New Jersey is uh, basically the same price, so... I think there are just other options to go to in that price range over Colorado too. Not that there's anything in particular that's wrong with them. Uh, on the Seattle side, like it's shooting percentages, man. Um, one thing I I noted writing about season long hockey is whether the Seattle team isn't the new St. Louis Blues. What St. Louis did over the re, over the last few seasons was break expected goals models. They always had pretty bad expected goals and shot generation numbers, but typically pretty good goal scoring numbers. It's because they figured out whatever their system was uh, to basically break the expected goals models. And I wonder if Seattle's not doing that as well, but at the same time, I don't expect the best five on five shooting team in, in the modern, modern NHL history uh, to exactly repeat that. Um, but, you know, McCann, McCann, Beneers, and Everly were generating a lot more down the stretch. The Colorado top line, for as good as they are offensively, trades chances. They're like Florida 2 that we talked about yesterday. 2.9 expected goals against three actual goals against per 60 minutes for the Colorado top line. It's not a bad matchup 
uh, for that Seattle uh, McCann Veneers Everly line here. Coming in five to six percent ownership, I think they're perfectly acceptable to play here. Um, if you want to dip down to that Bjorkstrand Tolvin in line uh, as kind of like a filler, maybe in a game stack, uh, I think you can do that, especially where two out of the three guys are on the top power play unit, uh, Tolvin and Bjorkstrand. Um, but it is Colorado one that I like most. Seattle one I think is fine. Uh, that Tolvin and uh, Gord Bjorkstrand line I think makes a nice filler, but they're just coming in with a boatload of ownership, right? And if I'm going to play somebody that's really high owned, I'll just pay uh, an extra few hundred dollars and go play that Hearthstone line in Vegas or something like that. So that's my only reasoning for not playing the death from Seattle. Yeah. I mean, that Gord line is 11,100 on DraftKings. So yeah, that ownership's not shocking because they fit in with literally everybody and they're, they're a DFS darling line anyway. Yeah. So I, I prefer the Beneers McCann Everlay line too. Um, but again, my favorite line in this game is that uh, top line. I think you make a good point. You don't have to play Evan Rodriguez there. Um, play Kale McCarr with them. Well, there's a lot of ways to do it. Like I, I don't think I just one off McKinnon. Because chances are, if, if McKinnon goes off, Miko at least is coming for the ride or someone on the power play. So I, I, I would just at least have one other piece with McKinnon. Before we get to defensemen and goalies, I think we should touch a couple minutes or a minute or two or whatever it is on the Ironman contest. Somehow 5,000 people completed the NHL Ironman, which is kind of crazy considering that, you know, the data shows we can't fill the poke check, which is like 5,100 entrants, and they got rid of it at the end of the season. And they cited the data. And then the data has 5,000 people in the Ironman. Anyway, I digress. I haven't played much series showdown. I've never played it. Me either. But it's it's essentially the same thing, right? Yeah. Instead of you know making a lineup how you would think the game is gonna go, you can make a lineup how you think the series is gonna go. And if you think the Rangers are gonna win, you're gonna have a Rangers heavy lineup. If you think the Devils are gonna win. Gonna have extra devils in there. I think you don't need both goalies. Igor would be my preferred goalie. But you need you probably need one. You need one. If you think the devils are gonna win the series, you play Vanacek, right? I saw some people talking in chat that they're worried that Vanacek might get pulled in the series. If you remember in the first round last year, Igor got pulled twice yeah. in that series. Uh so I still think Igor is my preferred goalie there. Whether you want to captain him or not, I think you can make an argument to Captain Hughes. To like any of the power play guys, you can legitimately put in the captain spot. You're just going to have to find some salary savers somewhere. And for me, I haven't really done a deep dive on the pricing, but the kids' lines, the kid line for the Rangers, wildly cheap. So I think I'll be looking there as well. Yeah, I, I would I would just approach it the same way I would showdown. Like, if I think the Rangers are going to win in five, I have Shesterkin, four Rangers, and then probably a Devils defenseman or something like that, right? Um, if I think the Devils win in five, I probably have Vanacek, four Devils, and then, you know, like uh, Miko Mikola or something, or, you know, Capo Caco, whatever. Um, if I think it goes seven games, 
uh, maybe I just have a balanced lineup and uh, maybe I have neither goalie anticipating a bunch of high-scoring games. I probably wouldn't do that. I would still have at least one goalie in my lineup. I agree with you, probably Shesterkin. Um, but yeah, I, I would just follow one script. If it, if you think it, uh, the series is going to go five or less, just stack the side that you think is going to win. If you think it's going to go six or more, I'd probably just mix up the players a little bit better. Um, I would make sure to get some power play guys in. Uh, data shows that power plays are called a lot at a lot higher rate early in a series. So games one, two, and three or whatever, you're going to see a lot of power plays and you're probably going to want to get some of the power play guys. Um, even if the game, even if the series goes long and penalties go down because they can give you such an advantage early on. So, um, you know, Kel Supreze, go out and play the power play guys, but you, you know, make sure you absolutely get somebody like, uh, a Jesper Bratt or, um, you know, a Patrick Kane or uh, Chris Kreider, something like that. Make sure those are the, you at least have a couple of those guys on the lineup, with, no matter which side you go to. Yeah, and we have a question, never played showdown before. What's the best strategy for captain? Is it goalie? We goalie. have a guy in our chat, in our Discord, Henry. Uh, Henry 296, I think it is. And he'll correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but he did the data. I think he said... Goalie captain in regular showdown, like like if you're just playing this Devils Rangers showdown tonight for the one game instead of the seven, goalie captain is optimal about 40% of the time. I think the other times you want to put a power play guy in there, whether it's a power play quarterback like Dougie or Fox, or you have a Mika Zibanejad in there, you could also punt the captain spot. I do that from time to time but if this this is a single entry contest i think you need to get these scores in there so i think you know the bet your best bet for captain is goalie it's the most optimal 40 percent of the time but i think you know having a captain like mika zibanejan or jack hughes is perfectly fine here yeah i agree with that um i i it would definitely if i do if i don't have a goalie captain it is one of the big power play guys like in a single game you might be able to get away with like uh, a lafreniere in a captain or you know with with a dawson mercer captain over a full series i i think you want either a goalie or one of the power play guys yeah i agree there if you have any more questions about that we'll be in the discord but just like you this is our first time playing series long showdown but it's generally the same thing over the course of a series. Now let's get to defensemen and goalies on this slate. Now yesterday was kind of a spend-down day. I think there are a couple of good spend-up options here. Maybe not like super expensive, but there are a couple that's standing out in the 5 and 6Ks. Petrolandro, Fox, Dougie Hamilton, um, Kale McCarr. Who else you like <laughs> Um, I kind of do like Alex Petrangelo here. I feel like he's going to come in at a fraction of the ownership that Kale McCarr is, and he gets Mark Stone back for the power play. Um, I don't, I kind of like Petrangelo expensive. I mean, Mikhail Suryachev and Morgan Riley, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm really having a, I'm having a tough time playing Leafs defenseman. I'm not saying that just to bag on the Leafs. Like statistically, they're the team that gets by far the fewest shots, uh, from the blue line of any team in the NHL. And, you know, with a new power play formation is Riley. That's basically how Riley's going to 
you know, accumulate his, his fantasy value. I, he's fine. I'm not super excited about playing him. Adam Larson's a guy that I'm looking at. I hated playing. At, I wouldn't even consider Adam Larson when he was like 5,000 or 5,100 towards the end of the season. Back in the low fours, I don't mind that in a in a game where he might have to block a lot of shots. Um, there's a couple cheap defensemen as well. Ian Cole uh, from Tampa Bay. Nico Mikola, uh, he's my $2,500 special um, on DraftKings. Uh, Jake McCabe from Toronto as well. Like he's playable. I, again, I don't really like these Leafs defensemen. Ryan Graves for sure from New Jersey. It seems like he's basically the de facto number two defenseman for them now. And I'll mention Dylan DeMello as well. Uh, he's been getting some good ice time for uh, Winnipeg. Could get those shot blocks against Vegas. Yeah. And now that we're talking about defensemen, I was talking about keys to the Tampa Bay Lightning Toronto Maple Leafs series. Morgan Riley, Luke Shen, if they stay together, is going to be an interesting key to that series. They are awful defensively together. Yeah, it's going to make for a pretty interesting series. Like, I honestly, I know people are talking about like Matthews and Marner. Can they break through? Can Steven Stamkos cement, cement his legacy, et cetera, et cetera? I'm just like, can Sam Lafferty really do anything against Michael Essamont? Like, that's what I'm looking forward to in this series the most. But uh, I guess we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to watching Leafs Twitter burn when I lose. <laughs> and hell, the uh, Let's talk about goalies. Um, again, this is another night where I think all the goalies are in play. Even Grubauer, he's 7K. He's going to face a ton of shots. I don't know if I would play Grubauer in my one to three with Hellebuck sitting at 7,400, with Vasilevsky at 7,200, with Shesterkin at 7,600. You know what I mean? All the roll goalies are cheap. Uh, I like all the roll goalies here, uh, even Grubauer, but he's probably the bottom of the list there. Don't mind Yorgiev. That's probably about it for me. Anyone else that you like? You know what's funny? I was looking at Grubauer's games against Colorado this season. His shots against in those games are it's like 23, 19, and 26. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah, color. I'm telling you, Seattle's a pretty good defensive team. Um, that's one of the things why I, I don't mind Grubauer, but like like you said, 7k. I'm worried about I'm a little worried about shot volume, honestly. You can go play Vasilevsky at 7,200 or, or Hellebuck at 7,400. I'll just do that instead. Uh, Hellebuck and Igor are the two guys at the top of my list. Um, and Laurent Brossois is the guy um, I think you can kind of pay up for. Like, the thing with um, Brossois, he's 7,800. Like, if Winnipeg doesn't turn around their shooting percentage, he's going to see a lot of empty shots. So, you know, it might be worth it. Yeah, I don't mind that Brossois call at all there. <clears throat> Who are you looking for your hat trick pick? If we're going out, we're going out with a bang. And we're going out with the Leafs, and we're going out with John Tavares. So right. Johnny T is my hat trick pick. Man, if John Tavares has a bad bad series, the Leafs are going to burn. Like the Leafs Twitter is just going to. It doesn't burn. matter. It, honestly, they could thoroughly dominate Tampa Bay for seven games, and if Tampa Bay scores the final goal, uh, you know, in overtime on Game Seven, it doesn't matter. The yeah. whole city will burn to the ground. It's going to yeah. be incredible. It's going to be great. I, for my wallet, I hope the Leafs win, but for my entertainment purposes, I hope they have a win. <laughs> that, hey, I told Jake the other day, it's comedic hedging. 
Yeah. You bet on the Leafs to win, and that, that way if they win, you win some money. And if they don't win, you get to watch Leafs fans just be in absolute misery for an entire offseason. It's it's a full foolproof plan. It's a win-win. So, yeah. I'm going to stick with the spicy, but I'm going to be a homer. Going 2,800, capo caco. Let's go, Rangers. Yeah, uh, if it's the last show of the season, you got to be a homer, buddy. Yeah. We don't know if we'll be back this week. If we are, we'll see you. We already said our goodbyes last week when we came back for a few shows. But thank you again for everyone for tuning in to these playoff shows. We might be back. We might not. But, you know, thank you for continuing to support us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for tuning in, guys. You know, if you guys – if the sport wasn't there, we wouldn't be here for the playoff shows. It's that simple. So hopefully we're back. If we're not, um, absolutely good luck everybody uh for the rest of the postseason have a great summer and hopefully we're back next year yeah and if you're a devil's fan not your friend for this week yeah only 10 percent of people one bring it in 100 percent of people love jesus and nobody loves devils there you go no one loves devils if you if you are a devil, Jesus is gonna kill you. There you go. Okay. Um, Not sure where that came from. I'm Jewish. <laughs> okay. That yeah. That was a, a little. All right. Uh, thanks for that uh, send off, Avery. Love God. All right. Watching too much YouTube. I think <laughs> we're out of here. We'll see you later. Everyone. <laughs>